1: Hello and welcome to the Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and promises it will never leave you again. We will never. (laughs) I, I don't know what we were thinking. I'm so sorry. I'm so lucky to have you all. What were we doing? I'm Kevin Day. And he is Liverpool University's uh, Kieran Maguire. Kieran, it's lovely to be back, is it
0: not? It, it is indeed, Kevin. Absolutely yep. uh, splendid. Uh, although Finlay is a bit grumpy because he's not had his walk yet this morning. Yes, I, I, We're recording I, at 10 o'clock on Sunday, so I got up at uh, a silly o'clock to uh, do a bit of... Well, there, there was a mind map to create, and, and that has to take priority. Yes, I saw the photograph of Finlay. Uh, to paragraph
1: P.G. Woodhouse's um, opinion of Scotsman, it's very... It's very easy to differentiate between Finlay and a ray of sunshine
0: this <laughs> morning. Um,
1: was, I was quite heartened, Kieran, by all the where are you messages uh, in week one, and then quite chilled that in week two, nothing. <laughs> Just <Yes>. literally, <laughs> no, they're, they're not coming back then. But uh, you, Kieran, um, have had a very interesting two-week break, and
0: you've been lining up a special guest for us, haven't you, for... Our next pod. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm delighted to say that uh, the uh, the fan led review interim report by Tracy Crouch MP, which was sent to uh, Oliver Dowden, was published uh, earlier this week, and uh, we've been in contact with Tracy, um, and uh, she's uh, she's coming on the show on Thursday. Yeah, uh, you know, I've I, I was fortunate enough to to speak to the the fan led review. Yeah, you know, I was one of the many many groups or individuals who who did make a contribution um and as you know i'm i'm not party political but the way that tracy crouch managed uh, the uh, the proceedings was incredibly professional and in my view she she's she's asking the right questions and with, without going into detail for those people who have not led the report um it's it's absolutely brilliant
1: Mm. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that uh, she pulls no punches and she asks some very difficult questions of her her bosses, her own bosses. So I'm looking forward to talking to her. Um, as you say, Kieran, you're one of the very many individuals invited to talk to the review. Uh, for me, it'll be the first time I've met her. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> as always... The mature one gets asked to do these things. Um, it's questions day, Kieran, but we have some news to catch on, obviously. So it's going to be a, a sort of strange hybrid affair today to welcome everyone back. Um, a strange hybrid affair is pretty much how Ali refers to our relationship. Um, uh, let's, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Kieran, let's pick up from where we left off with bad news for Newcastle fans. Um, Mike Ashley looks like he's here for at least another season. Um, and apologise to any Newcastle fans who think that may be good news.
0: Uh, yes, so this is to do with the uh, potential takeover uh, of Newcastle United. Um, the, the case in respect of where does the PIF lie in terms of is it an independent organisation or is it controlled by the Saudi government? Um, that has now been delayed until, and I quote, early 2022, due to, and again, to quote the, the exact words, issues with disclosure of evidence. Now, given that this has been rumbling on for at least a year, I'm not quite sure why mm. they have to work out what the evidence is. It, it's either there or it's not. And uh, it, it does seem strange um, that uh, it, it's going to sort of gather dust. Um, yeah, for, I think for those Newcastle fans that think it should go to, to court as opposed to arbitration, when weird Nick Demarco QC on the show he was very much of the view that arbitration was a quicker and be cheaper for all parties so I think it is probably the, the right process um, Amanda Staveley, who's heading up the consortium uh, her husband took to Twitter when this announcement took place and I think he, he reading between the lines he, he's not impressed with the Premier League mm. um, Newcastle fans uh, to give them credit they've they've been to Downing Street uh, yeah they've they've they've, they've petitioned outside in uh, uh, as is their democratic right to do so so they're, they're trying to increase the pressure and highlight the the slow progress at which this is taking place biggest losers potentially is is newcastle united and their fans because mike ashley is, is now in the position of a person who is planning to sell his house and therefore, is doing the bare minimum in terms of maintenance. Mm. Um, therefore, you know, in terms of uh, recruitment planning uh, and player strategy, uh, it, it's you know, it, it's it's on life support at present. Yeah, they've been noticeably quiet in the transfer
1: market, and it's, sometimes you don't know whether there is a a sinister reason for that, or whether they're just one of those clubs that do their business late in the in the in the window or whatever. But it has been. Uh, and we're not the only people. Newcastle fans all over the world are picking up on the fact that there's not a lot of activity in terms of transfer-wise. Um, just, it might be worthwhile, I know i have only had a short break, but it might be worthwhile reminding people of a couple of the acronyms we use. So
0: PIF? Um, the Public Investment Fund of uh, of Saudi Arabia. Yep. Um, so, th- And this is... Uh, it, it is a sovereign wealth fund. It is used to invest in a variety of investments and projects, some of which um, are, you know, sport, linked to sport either directly or indirectly, but others are in in uh, in other industries.
1: Yeah, I can virtually guarantee, Kieran, at some stage in the next month or year, we will be talking about the PIF takeover of Newcastle United and wondering why it just didn't happen when it should have happened last year, because it seems very, very odd. And and again, you know what football fans are like? In the absence of hard information, that's when the conspiracy theories start to spread and when fans get even more restless, isn't it? But, Kieran, but we have good news for Swindon fans with their takeover happening. And again, apologies to any Swindon fans who think that's bad news. I don't think there will be many.
0: No, no. Um, yeah, the, the, the good news, I think, from the perspective of the Swindon fan base who had initiated the um, No Power uh, is uh, campaign in, in respect of their owner, Lee Power, or, or former owner, is that the deal appears to have been done. The new owner, who is a guy called Clem Morfuni, who who is based in Australia, um, I believe that he has now had the shares formally transferred to him by Lee Power against Lee Power's wishes. Yeah. Um, there, there were stories that Lee Power had uh, accepted a higher offer, having originally a, some, and it looks like he'd originally agreed to sell to Clem um, So yeah, it's really good. The the EFL seems to be positive about this as well. Um and also, uh, I'm delighted from for uh, one of the friends of the show who, who came on from the Swindon Supporters Trust, uh, Rob Angus. He's mm. now been appointed as the Chief Executive Officer of yeah. Swindon Town. Um, so, you know, so congratulations to Rob. Um, I think there there is sort of two issues which they're now sort of focusing on. Uh, clearly, there's a recruitment a concern from the playing side of things they're trying to uh, purchase the ground uh, back from the council um, and make this three things that they've they've also got issues to do with their uh, season tickets they've set themselves a target of 6000 there are some issues to do with refunds from previous seasons because Getting money out of Lee Power was proving to be difficult for, for not just players who went unpaid, but uh, I, I think uh, fans struggled as well. Um, but there's a lot of goodwill uh, towards the new owners, and uh, we wish them all the best.
1: Yeah, and you know what will happen with Rob Angus? He was he was only too pleased to come and talk to us when he was the leader of the Angry Fans. Now we'll try and get a hold of him. we will go, his, his PA, he'll have a PA now. His PA will say, "I'm sorry, the price of what? No, is he Rob can't possibly talk to people like you." Um, but wonderful news for Swindon fans, Kieran, because they can clip you saying former owner Lee Power, and use that as a, a ringtone, can't they? Just you go, former owner Lee Power. And again, it's one of those stories. It's like Wigan. We've been reporting on it from the start, which is pretty much all we can do, and. Uh, This is a good outcome, isn't it? This is the outcome you predicted would be best for the club, and that's really good news. Um, I do need to point out, and I'm I'm not saying this just because we've been talking about Swindon, which is nearly in the countryside, but if you can hear a strange noise in the background, it's because for some reason one of my neighbours has bought uh, a cockerel and some chickens, and the cockerel seems to be in South London. This is dawn for, for him. He, he wakes up about quarter past 10 in the morning and starts crowing, um, which everybody in the street thinks is probably a bad idea because we've got some quite clever foxes around here who uh, <laughs> I think they, they just think, brilliant, we don't have to root through KFC boxes anymore. We've got one live. It's fantastic. So <laughs> we have to, we have taken bets, the neighbours and I, as to how long it's going to be there. But in the meantime, you will hear a cock crowing for some considerable time. Um, I was delighted. I thought I'd been overdoing it, Kieran. So I was really pleased when I found it was an actual cockerel. Three, <laughs> yes. <And> like, <laughs> Ali's, Ali's away looking after her mum. She kept saying, "You stop drinking, and then you won't hear cockerels." And like, it was a cockerel. <laughs> um, that'll be a Martin Sells review, would not it? Um, <laughs> a Brazilian Super League breakaway project. Here, and this is an interesting story. A Brazilian Super League breakaway project is being funded by US private equity. So, what's in it for them?
0: yes um yeah i I was talking to a friend about private equity um this morning and he described them as being on the something o meter 11 out of 10 um the the first word which i i I will not say for 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 for, for politeness purposes involved forward four letters should i say um so um as far as Brazilian domestic football is concerned, it's a shambles. Right. Um, the CBF, which uh, is in charge of all Brazilian football for both the domestic and the international team, just focuses on the international team to the detriment of, of domestic football to such an extent, such, such that during the Copper America, um, there were matches taking place. Oh. Can, you, can you imagine Manchester United versus Chelsea during the Euros? Right, you know, with, yeah, with with United not being able to play Maguire and Shaw yeah. and Chelsea being short of Mason Mount and so on. So um the 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 president uh, a guy called Rogerio Caboccio, um, he is presently uh, sort of on gardening leave following sexual harassment and bullying claims. It looks as if one of the former presidents is trying to run the place, um, despite the fact that he's subject to a lifetime ban from football, uh, from FIFA for corruption purposes. So uh, there there is genuine problems Um, where money goes and who's in control of football uh, is is very unclear to such an extent that if you take a look at the uh, the timetable for matches. If there's midweek May games taking place in the Brazilian League, they now have to kick off at nine o'clock, which is yeah, it's pretty damn late. I know I know they they they, they, they don't like getting up early in Brazil as a well. rule. But so so they're kicking off at nine o'clock. And the reason for that is that the local television companies don't like them kicking off earlier because they reduce the ratings of the soap operas. Yeah.
1: yeah. So
0: yeah, you know, it's clearly that there's there's a problem. Um it doesn't generate a lot of money, uh, the domestic league, which is why the private equity companies are coming in because they think that they can uh, change things around. That that the reason why there's such a talent drain of, of Brazilian football to Europe is is all due to the fact that if the clubs haven't got money coming in, then they they can't play wait, wages. Um, but it, it looks as if the 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 first division of Brazilian football is going for this. But it now could appear, and this is something, you know, if, if we track back to the formation of the Premier League in hindsight, might have been a good idea. Um, it's, it now looks as if the top two divisions could be going in for this. And, and, you know, clearly, uh, you know, some of the problems in the EFL Championship are due to the fact that it's, it's independent of the Premier League and it hasn't, hasn't been able to share in, in the spectacular growth of the, of the Premier League. So, Um, it's it's one to watch. Um, Potentially, some people could make money out of this, and I suspect they will be already extremely rich individuals.
1: Yeah, two things, Kieran. Um, I'm sure some Brazilians don't mind getting up early, so let's not all tweet in at once. Um, (laughs) Yes. uh, Secondly, I was only half joking. I don't quite understand where the the interest or the return on this investment will come because – I know some Brazilian teams attract huge domestic crowds, but in terms of overseas uh, markets, I mean, it's not, despite the fact we all love watching Brazil the nation play football, there's not a great deal of demand for watching Brazilian domestic football around the world, is there? So
0: I'm struggling to see where they would be able to make money here. Well, the argument is, is the reason why there isn't a lot of interest in the, the Brazilian domestic game from, from a global perspective is that all the talent... Leg it to uh,
1: Europe. Uh, of course of course so yeah. so
0: if if they manage to uh, renegotiate the, the tv deals and i think these new TV, the tv deals are due to expire in 2023 or 2024 um with uh, some new form of ownership of the domestic game effectively separating it from the way that the premier league is is, is runs the itself compared to the football association which concentrates on england and grassroots mm. um that they could sell the rights uh, for a lot more money and, and on the basis of that, they can afford to to keep more of the players, which will generate interest because you know the next Neymar could could in theory play in the domestic game. I'm 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 a bit like you. I'm a bit sceptical because I can't ever see the position uh, that they will they would ever overtake the likes of uh, La Liga and, and the Premier League because these these institutions have, it becomes so embedded in in sort of a, a global psyche. you know the i i, I wrote an article for uh, something today and there's only five countries in the world that don't uh, don't get the premier league tv rights um and uh, we'll probably list those in in the next uh, price of football quiz that's
1: interesting only five countries in the world don't watch premier league football or don't yep. have that as well yeah goodness me um uh, well let's move on to a <laughs> I'm aware that regular listeners, um, those who have come back after our two week break, I know what their attention spans are like. Um, we'll be, will be thinking it's not just Newcastle. Come on, We're, there are other clubs, and if you've got your money on Derby County, you've just won because uh, we all thought we have to, we have to have a derby. Was that Finley again? That was you said Derby County. At He's least. been trained. <laughs> He's been trained to pick up his ears and
0: bark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, we we gave producer guy. Uh, who's a bit lightheaded from two weeks counting his money. Um, (laughs) But we said we have to have a Derby story. To be honest, the only Derby story that really is prominent is the fact that they're not putting season tickets on sale. And that's not really for a financial reason, they claim, is it? It's more to do with COVID precautions.
0: Well, so they claim uh, Derby, as we know, are a unique football club in the sense that there are 91 clubs who account for footballers. one method. And Mm -hmm. then there is the Derby way. And at present, as far as I'm aware, there are 91 clubs trying to desperately get hold of cash through selling season tickets. And Derby County are doing it the Derby way. So the argument that they have put forward is that um, it is COVID related. They don't know how many tickets they'll be able to sell. Um, they They are rolling over season tickets from last season for people who paid them. Um, and, and they're describing this as a free season ticket, which I, I don't quite see a rollover as, as, as being that. Mm. Um, I, 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 I'm a bit more concerned, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but um, suffice to say that if you bought a season ticket using a credit card, um it would be covered by section seventy five of the Consumer credit act, and the uh if something went wrong at the club then the uh the credit card companies would be duly obliged to give you a refund mm-hmm. now it could be that the credit card companies and, and this is this is speculation this is not based on any knowledge but I, it, the, the, the 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 story that they gave to me just didn't make. Didn't make business sense, you know. If, right. if, you, if you need cash, you get cash, and you sort it. You sort yeah, it out later. It could yeah. be that the credit card companies have said, "Well, if you are going to sell a season tickets because of the precarious nature of your finances, we don't want to get involved with that because we'll potentially on the hook should have refunds have to be given later." Um, so, um, I'm 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 uncomfortable. I I, I don't think this is. Good news for Derby fans, yes, they will be able to buy tickets on a match by match basis they mm-hmm. They did play against Manchester United recently, and eight thousand people were allowed in Pride Park, which is great um, uh, and but they had to go effectively pay on the day or or, or buy tickets a few days in advance mm-hmm. um, t- to me this this smacks of, of the the credit card companies not having a hundred percent confidence in, in what 's happening at the club. Oh Lord, well that's another one to keep an eye on at Derby. And um here's a name
1: from the past. Fans of financial extravagance and club kit coloured goldfish will be intrigued to hear that Peter Ridgedale has been elected onto the board of the English Football League.
0: Yes, this is um this is as a result of uh three uh three directors of the Football League uh leaving. uh Simon Pierce of Derby County left, and I quote to focus on the running of his club. Yeah. Um, one, uh, one left because his side was relegated. And I think another moved from uh, a championship club to a league one club. So, so there were three vacancies um, and, and Peter Ridsdale um, has been put on the board. Now it has to be said he was given 19 votes. So, yeah, you know, there's 24 clubs. It clearly, mm. he, he must be, be popular. Um, and um, I, I, spoke to somebody involved uh, at board level at a championship club. I said, just, just sort of give me um the reasons why. Because if you take a look at the Peter Ridsdale backstory, and um you know Leeds fans will be you know running their way through a rope set of rosary beads whilst I go through this. Um <laughs> Leeds United uh went from being a pretty successful club. And uh, P- Peter Ritzdale was the chairman of Leeds United for around about five or six years. And I've been through season by season. The, the first three or four years, um, they their finances were, were okay. Um, and then he effectively put everything on red at the casino, mm. put mm. the house on red, mm. and it came up black. And, and he mm. signed, you know, signed a lot of players. And the club lost an absolute fortune, um, and you know, Leeds fans will say that this this created the the, the, the challenges that the club had. You know, it, it went into administration, it was relegated, it didn't appear in the the the, uh, the Premier League for sixteen years. And for a club as big as Leeds United, yeah, yeah that that does seem very strange. Um, the the Leeds fans. Uh, point at uh, Peter Ridsdale and, and you mentioned uh, you know, the, the fortunes spent on the the goldfish um, again if people want to uh, Google Seth Johnson and Leeds United um, <laughs> that's that's a story in itself. Um, a- according to um, Peter Ridsdale, um, it's it was always somebody else's fault. But yeah, you know, it was it was David O'Leary's fault. It was the players' fault who assigned. signed. It was always somebody else's fault. Um, and I, I do think he he comes from the Trump playbook because. So I, I did a little bit of you know background research and I said well okay if yeah you know, I spoke to some people who are involved at board level at clubs um, and somebody described him as belligerent and arrogant to the extent that yeah you know, when they're having these Zoom conversations if he. If he doesn't agree with what you say, he will just affect. He will, he will put up his ca- his phone and make it clear that he's texting other people on WhatsApp to mm. slag you off. Mm. Um, uh, he is certainly, and I, I don't want to say that the EFL is turning into an author- authoritarian regime, but he is he is coming from the playbook of give us twenty five percent of your money to the Premier yeah. League, get rid of parachute payments. Yeah. He's certainly parroting the. Um, The the party line with regards to that. And and those people who want perhaps a more nuanced relationship with the Premier League are saying, well, yeah, we don't necessarily agree with that. But what concerns me most of all is that in 2012, Peter Ridsdale was given a seven and a half year ban Mm. from being a director of any company in the United Kingdom. Mm. Now, as you know, I used to work in the insolvency business, and yeah, we are duty bound to write to the the government agencies to say that if a company goes into receivership, administration, or liquidation, whatever it happens to be, um, are there any issues that should be brought to the attention of the authorities uh, in terms of a, a person's capability or, or, or appropriateness for for being a director of a company? And um, and yeah, I I I worked with some people who were was, yeah scamps is the politest way <laughs> I can describe about them. I had uh, I had one one guy that ran a uh, a boating company, a boating holiday company, and when it went bust, um, yeah, we had thirty boats, and I did an inventory of them, and, and I wrote to the banks, um, and the bank sent me details, and they had mortgages. For 95 boats. Huh. And I'm going, what what the oh. fingers is going on here? Um, and it turns out that uh the, uh the 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 chief executive of this company, the MD, had um had let's say he'd got a boat called Daisy, he'd mm. gone to Barclays, he'd got a mortgage because yeah, you know, these 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 boats are worth you know, they're narrow boats, they're, they're worth quite a bit of money. Um, and, uh, then, uh, he, he got that money from Barclays for say, you know, 30 or 40 grand. He then unscrewed the nameplate and put the name Clarabel on it, mm. went to Lloyd's and said, I've got this, I've got this boat called Clarabelle. It's not got a mortgage on it. Will you lend me 30 grand? And he, and he kept doing this. Mm. Um, so, you know, th- there are some, there are some real scoundrels around. Mm. Um, and, and I, and I wrote to, you know, part of, you know, brief said, well, this, this is Pretty naughty behaviour, and and he didn't get a ban. Although he did emigrate to Bolivia halfway through the uh, the time I was in, I was trying to run his company, uh, and we never saw him again. Um, So you know, people people do not get bans often. Mm. Seven and a half years is is up there with some of the naughtiest people, Ken Anderson, who was the absolute. that was in charge of Bolton Wanderers and and just read the administrator's report in in terms of their dealings with Ken Anderson. He was also banned for eight years, so only slightly more than Peter Ridsdale. So, okay, were were they being harsh on Peter Ridsdale? So we look up to see what happened. Ridsdale was in charge of a company called WH Sports Group Limited, um, and, uh, that, uh, that was effectively a consultancy company, which gave advice to football clubs and he paid three hundred and forty seven thousand pounds that was due to the company into his personal bank account, hmm. a, a mistake that can easily be made. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, you know, producer guy has this problem practically every day. Hmm. Um, well, In also terms,
1: when, when you've got that sort of money, you wouldn't notice three hundred
0: forty-seven thousand quid,
1: would you? It's just like, <laughs> that's some, right. I've had a refund for something. You'd think, yes.
0: Um, and okay, let's let let's say mistakes were made. The company went into liquidation. He failed to tell the liquidator that he oh. had made this payment when the liquidator oh, was right. doing the investigation. Um, there was also a failure to pay tax. On profits, on staff of four hundred and fifty thousand pounds, mm. he failed to submit accounts for three years. And, and people say, "Yeah, why? Why do I kick up such a fuss about those clubs that are constantly late mm. about submitting their accounts?" And, and okay, yeah, it, in, in the wider scheme of things, yeah, you know, we love football because we love football. It's things like this; they, these are red flags. um so, uh, you know, th- there was all of that. Uh, and And yet, on the basis of that, you know, straight from the Trump playbook, because uh, you know, Donald Trump's been uh, you know, his, his record in terms of solvency is pretty poor. Uh, but blaming everybody else, being belligerent, is is the way to get people to believe in you. And this appears mm. to have worked at the EFL. I, I've said before, I, I I feel that there are conflicts of interest because another one of the directors, Jez Moxie, he is running a company which is offering uh, advice and is trying to organize uh, buyers and sellers for football clubs. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're on the board of the EFL, to me, that that looks like a conflict of interest. And, and mm. if the EFL, who I think have made some really positive steps in the course of the last couple of months, they are being far more transparent, and I applaud them for that. You've, you've got to be seen to be doing the right thing at all levels. And it's all, all right. We're saying, well, yeah, the website's fine, but we've, we've got people on the board who, well, you know, are, it's, it's a bit like saying, uh, you know the captain of the Titanic. Let's give him a second chance with another boat. You know, if mm. if you've done what you've done at Leeds, and you have, and these issues in terms of three hundred and forty seven thousand pounds being diverted into a personal bank account, I don't think that reflects particularly well. No, you're you
1: okay now? You want to take thirty seconds to breathe out now? <laughs> Sorry, sorry was what, it going on a bit? No, no, it's all right. It was all very good. Um, uh, I feel honour bound to mention that you, of course, now have a fleet of boats called the Baroness moored <laughs> round the back of your house. But that's, <laughs> yes, um, yes. Yeah, the, the, the Peter Ridgedale thing, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about Peter Ridgedale in that terms because I used to host a, a, a live sports show on Five Radio 5 a long time ago, and Peter Ridgedale's Image then was a kind of, you know, um, Idiot uncle just splashing the cash rather than like you say evil and manipulative and we had we had a, a weekly um, quiz about him uh, three extravagances which of these didn't happen and the running joke was they all happened basically <laughs> um, and it was the, the the bit that made me laugh the most was the eighty pound a week on goldfish food not on not on fish just on food no. eighty pound a week on goldfish food yes and he he had specially bred white goldfish in The colours of the it would have been cheaper to change Leeds' kit, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, a, a couple of quick stories because we do have some questions yeah. which, I, which yeah. I want to get through, which I think now we'll have to answer more briefly than we were planning to. Uh, Jaden Sancho is now the second most expensive English player of all time behind um Harry Maguire, uh, at 73 million pounds. What, what do we know about this deal? Is there anything special about it? Is the money up front? Is it, is it amortized? Um.
0: I I think it's uh, it, it's a good deal for Manchester United. It's a reasonable deal for uh, the selling club. Uh, you know they they would have got 30 or 40 million more last season but uh, yeah I I think United have done well here. Mm. You know they they United have the money um you know d- despite all of the yeah, uh, you know, and, and we we've, we've both praised and criticized the glazer regime or no 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 we've criticized the glazer regime but we've we've praised many of the people at manchester united who have have done uh, very good things for, for manchester um i i think it, it's its its market value you know, if mm. yeah you know, i'll be honest if brighton are getting 50 million for ben white then Jaden yeah. Sancho at 73 yeah. doesn't seem excessive. Absolutely,
1: yeah. And I, I warn any Palace fans listening now that if anyone, when he comes to Sellers Park, if anyone boos him for missing a penalty in the Euros, they will face the wrath of many people. Yeah. Don't do it. Um, and finally, this is an interesting one, Steve Dale has inadvertently done something good for Berry and, and he's going to be furious about this, isn't he? Yes, this is this is
0: absolutely fantastic. Um yeah. Steve Dale sued Bury AFC for uh, the use of the the football club crest, mm. uh, to which he claimed that he had he had rights, um, and he lost the case, and he had to go and pay uh, a fine on the back of that. And uh, Barry AFC, fantastic of them, they've they've used this money to uh, give to, to to effectively give. Uh, to some supporters who are uh, not in good financial circumstances, as as season tickets for the forthcoming season. So, mm. um, yeah, this is assuming that Steve Dale has actually paid that amount. Yeah, he's been mm. he's been told to, and, and Steve Dale has been told to do many things by courts over the years. It doesn't necessarily move the dial in terms of, of his bank account. So, uh, yes, I'm I'm sure he's uh, absolutely fuming uh, at this, and uh, I'm I'm all the more delighted for it
1: Yeah, and it 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 just couldn't be a starker contrast between the approaches of two different groups of people, is it really? That you know, he he tried to sue them for using a club crest which was based on the club's the the town's yep. crest anyway, and the, the the club he tried to sue are using the money he's had to pay to buy season tickets for people who can't afford it. So we uh, another indication of whose side we're on. So look, Kieran, let's have some questions. Sure. Um, Uh, God knows what our two-week break has done to the stockpile, although uh, (laughs) Guy was at great pains to tell me this week. It's it's a virtual stockpile, he said. It's not like porn mags under his mattress, which was um, a strange analogy, I thought. Yeah. I think he thought I was worried that that this this big pile of paper questions was getting higher and higher. But anyway, um, (laughs) let's let's crack through some of these questions. Luke Thurston asked us a three-part question, but I've chosen the last part for time purposes um, because I think it's quite an interesting uh, question, very interesting fact. Can a player take legal action with betting companies to stop them using their name for things like first goal scorer
0: gambling if they're against betting in general? Um, I don't think so because, in terms of intellectual property, um, the player might be able to claim that his or her signature or likeness uh, is uh, can be can be trademarked and registered and, and therefore protected. But the name itself, mm. I think, would be more of a challenge because if you've mm. got a name like, you know, let's say let's take Jake Jake Harrison at no not or what's his name Harrison. Well, there'll be, be a Jake Harrison somewhere. There'll be Jake uh, Harrison. Let's just say, Jake if your name's Jake Harrison, there are more than one Jake Harrisons around. Of course. Um, yeah. So therefore, and and we saw the problems that Liverpool Football Club had when their owners, who again, aren't the owners aren't, aren't on our good books, um, they tried to trademark the word Liverpool. Um, yeah, and, and as somebody yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that works at the University of Liverpool, I said, well, you yeah, know, if if this that went through does that mean we have to pay Liverpool football club every time we say you know we we send out a prospectus so mm. that was rejected so i think the the players would struggle um where we had um ibrahimovic at falling out with fifa was that they were using his likeness and his name and he was therefore he was in a position to protect them Mm. Um, but I don't think you'd be able to do it with betting because if you think about what the the betting companies do on a broader thing. They 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 have books for who's going to be the next prime minister. Yeah, uh, you know who's who's going to win uh, Love Island. Uh, not that I, not that I watch Island Love Island, but uh, uh, yeah, as a result of me watching the Euros every single night, that the Baroness has now taken control of the remote uh, in our house, and I'm going. I, I I I thought that a nil-nil draw between Poland and Hungary was was boring. This yeah. this is this is just beyond belief.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was uh, tempted to su- suggest that the reason we had a two-week break was so you could go out and take part in Love Island, but I think that would have been, <laughs> been, been stretching you And it, I know it's, it's not got to Moscow yet, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an island. Plenty of love, <laughs> plenty of love involved, but there's no. Sit- Um, I know why you you chose Jake as your fictional footballer, because our next question comes from a Jake, Jake Foster. Um, And Jake Foster says, in 2008, Gillingham took out a bank loan of £10 million, but in 2018, it was written off. How can a bank just write off a debt like that? Good
0: question, Jake. Yes. um, I suspect I was the only person at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning Going to company's House to take a look at Gillingham Football Club's old accounts from 2008, Um, I I couldn't find a loan. And I've looked at all of the accounts since 2008, and I still can't find a loan. But to answer it theoretically, how could a bank write it off? There's two things. First of all, they could have done an asset swap. So for example, they could have said, we've given you a loan, and now we're going to write off the loan. And we're going to take your ground. We're going to take your property. So it could do an asset swap. Or they could have converted the um, the loan into shares, and, and that's what we see with some right. club owners, yeah. for example. So that's what what could have happened theoretically. I think neither of those actions would have been logical from uh, a bank's point of view. You know, if, if I'm if I'm a shareholder in HSBC and I'm looking at the list of subsidiaries, and you've got you know this bank here in you know in Switzerland, in the US, and Canada, and so on, and then Gillingham Football Club, I'd be going what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, and also converting into shares uh, there's no way that uh, the local bank would want to get involved with that because Mm. that that means that in theory they can appoint the directors who can appoint the manager who can sign the players and it it, it can only end in tears
1: Okay, Ivan Knoll has an interesting take Ivan said, I was just wondering if it's possible that a small club like Crawley Town could actually have been better off last season behind closed doors um you know not a huge amount of money coming in on the gate on a weekly basis anyway but they had player sales and the fa cup run so that's quite an interesting take isn't it
0: yes yeah, so if, if we take a look at crawley towns accounts um they did make half a million pound profit in uh in 2020 so so fair play to that and that was on the basis of their on both their fa cup success and and player uh player transactions um the vast majority of clubs have suffered losses. Uh, the, the the losses of the top two divisions, um, you know, we're still awaiting uh, Newcastle's accounts. Um, you know, we're, we're recording this on Sunday. Palace's accounts have been sent to company's house. They're, they're still in the photocopier. Uh, waiting to be actually put out, and and, and these genuine, they, they actually have to go through a scanner before that before they are put out by really? company's house itself, which which is so old school. It it, it makes it makes you proud to be British. A Scanner, um, what,
1: what is is this like the transfer window? Fax, you still have yes. to fax people. <laughs> yes. why, why why do they have to go
0: through a scanner? What are these? I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll talk. I'll have to talk to some people at the company's house to say why, why can't I just go, why can't I just ping through instantly? Um,
1: now, now you see what I've done. Now the Baroness is going to be so unhappy with me because I've given you an excuse to go a to company's house. <laughs> I'm sorry, darling. I've just Kevin asked a really important question. I need to be at the company's
0: house to find that, out why they that that could be our summer holiday this year. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> The way things are going, boy, ben, am I going to be in trouble? Yeah. Um but uh yeah Ivan is absolutely right in the sense that practically every club lost money. Um the the most profitable club um in English football in twenty twenty. I'll give you three guesses. I think this is this is t I don't think you'll get come anywhere near, but just out of curiosity. Um well, I was gonna say Derby County for <laughs> just for shits and giggles. All right, let's um uh, oh,
1: okay, oh, crikey! Okay, well, it's not going to be in the championship, is it? Certainly Premier, not. All the prem. Oh, uh, Ipswich Town. No, 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 no. They, 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 they,
0: uh, they lost eight mil. Oh, uh-huh, okay. I don't know. We could be here okay. all day. I- okay, yeah, yeah. Sheffield United. Oh, okay. And, and and the reason for this, it's it's first season syndrome right. in the Premier League. You go up with the Championship squad, and yes, they'll get pay rises, but. Yeah. They won't get massive pay rises. So, for your first season in the Premier League, you tend to make money. And also, they had an absolutely fantastic season 2019-20. So they, did, they yeah. got a lot more prize money. So, so they are the most profitable club um, in English football in uh, in in 2019, well, and, and Scottish football as well. Um, the the reason why clubs are losing money, and I looked at and I looked at Scottish football as well when I was sort of doing the background for this is. But Crawley did make a wee bit of profit. Most of the other clubs in lower leagues lost money. But when you then look at Scottish football, most of the clubs in lower league Scottish football have broken even or mm. have made a small profit. So there must be a reason before this. And the reason why is that in Scottish football, you've got slopes between divisions. Yeah, you know, if if you the difference between the bottom of the premiership and the top of the championship and the bottom of the championship and the top of Division One are actually relatively small. Whereas in English football, we've got cliffs. Yeah. And the trouble yeah. is you're either spending money you don't have to try to go from the bottom of the cliff to the top, or you're spending money and putting the club at risk to avoid relegation because you don't want to go from the top of the cliff to the bottom. And this is mm. why I've always argued in respect of parachute payments, is that parachute payments aren't the problem. The cliffs are the problem. And if you if you, if you make that cliff a more gentle slope, then, then we can get rid of parachute payments because they, mm. they, they, there's no doubt they distort football, but they also stop clubs from going bust.
1: Mm. Uh, one of the many issues we'll be talking to Tracy Crouch about on Thursday, but also we've got an interesting question coming up about Scottish football, which I'm actually very intrigued to hear your answer to. But before that we have a question from Marty Laidler. Um, Probably the most pugnacious start to a question (laughs) since we've been doing this pod. Um, And Marty Laidler, and I quote, says, this is a question from a Sunderland supporter born in Middlesbrough, now living in Melbourne, pronounced Melbourne, not Melbourne. (laughs) That put put me to rights, didn't it? Well, it did. But uh, Marty, I'm just going to put this out there. According to my mate born in Chester, now living in Melbourne, He's going to carry on calling it Melbourne. And he says, <laughs> "He says when your lockdown is lifted, he's arranged to meet in an underground car park for a straightener. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, um, Marty says, uh, and it's a good question, um, and it's, it's asking for some detail on something we talk about a lot. He says, we hear a lot of discussion about the Premier League and the fact that 14 clubs can can force decisions through. But what kind of business entity is the Premier League? Do the new teams every season have to sign on as shareholders, and is there a scenario where a relegated club decides it doesn't want to relinquish
0: control? Yeah, it's it, it an intriguing one. Well, the Football Association Premier League Limited uh, is a company in its own rights. It's effectively got twenty-one shares, uh, one of which is owned by the Football Association, but is never used for voting purposes. Yeah, that oh. sort of is sort of gentleman's agreement. Right. Uh, but but it could do it could do in theory. Um, and the other twenty shares are owned. Each one is owned by a club, and this is this is one of the rules that um, the people behind Project Big Picture, you know, the Glazers, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Parry, and the uh, the people at Liverpool FSG. That's the rule they wanted to change. They wanted to have rights which just gave them the ability to to have the votes and therefore make make decisions, um, and under the constitution okay you have to go to something called the articles of the association of the football association premier league limited yeah. it specifically states that upon relegation the club must relinquish its share it doesn't have a choice so to to fa- failure to do so would be a breach of rules it would be subject to sanction which which could involve being expelled from the Premier League. So there there's no there's no rational reason why a club would do that. And then those shares are automatically transferred to the three clubs that are being promoted and if you go to companies house um, and you look up something called a confirmation statement, and that should be published in the next week or two. You will see a new confirmation statement, and that lists the individual shareholders. So, therefore, the fans of Watford, Norwich, and Brentford, and welcome, you know, as the fiftieth club in the in the Premier League, to Brentford. Their, their names will be up as shareholders. Mm. So, so that's how that works. So, I, I think a club trying to. Play silly buggers with the rules would not got would not get very far. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if if they did try that, and, and even if they dragged things out, um, what good it would do them? When uh, under the, again under the, the Premier League constitution, you you need fourteen votes to get any, any anything through. So even if they tried to, what what could easily happen was that the other nineteen clubs in the Premier League, I suspect, backed by the Football Association, would pass a motion to say this club whoever it is is never allowed back in the premier league mm.
1: that, uh, that's actually that's interesting i i i didn't know that that the, the 21st share is very
0: interesting as well that the fa choose not to use um, yeah they're, they're a bit like they're a bit like your mum and dad sort of saying yeah you, you go and sort out which which film you want to go and watch at the cinema we we'll, we'll, we'll drive you there we won't interfere
1: yeah, you never met my mum and dad, did you? Um, <laughs> uh, Ro- the, the Scottish question, the Scottish question, if only we could answer the Scottish <laughs> question on this podcast. Um, the, the Scottish question uh, comes from Ross Petrie. And I can't tell you how happy one day I'll be when we get a question about Scottish football from somebody called Ross County. But, um, <laughs> uh, Ross, I apologise if you've heard that joke before. Of course you have. Um, but Ross that uh, makes a really intriguing point. Ross Petrie says, could you tell us if a merger of clubs in Scottish football like Dundee and Dundee United or Hearts and Hibs would make them more of a competition for the old firm and make the league more competitive? Now, Ross, seriously, I should point out that it kicked off badly enough when Robert Maxwell tried to merge Oxford and Reading. Can you imagine the fuss when someone tried to say, we're going to have a club called Hibs of Midlo- Midlovian? Um, <laughs> yes. but But financially, though, Kieran... Would would that make sense? I mean, because we 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 hear about all sorts of issues to make Scottish football more competitive, but merging two rival clubs
0: isn't one that's come up before. No, uh, and, and I think for you know historic cultural reasons, hmm. there there's probably a very good reason for that. Um, but looking at things, set, setting all set, setting the rivalries domestically aside. Yeah, you know, because clearly the, the fans of both sets of clubs don't necessarily get particularly well on. If we take a look at the scorecard uh, in Scottish football, Celtic have revenues of seventy million, Rangers had fifty nine. So this is for twenty twenty. Hearts and Hibs, um, and and Aberdeen a third on fourteen. So there's a huge gap. You know, people mm-hmm. say, well, "Why do these clubs dominate Scottish football?" Well, money money dominates football because there's a there's a huge correlation between wages and transfer spend um and uh success and and between them uh, celtic and rangers have i think it was 96.5% of the total spend of all four divisions wow. in scottish mm. football mm. so yeah it, 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 they really blow everybody else out of the water um if hearts and hibs together were combined their revenues would go to 22 million. So they would be the third biggest club. They would, they would certainly leap over Aberdeen. And what could be a game changer is that if they got into the Europa League, or you know, from, I'm sure they'd love to get into the Champions League as well, but if they got into European football and got into the group stages, that could be significant from a financial point of view. And that could certainly creep them up the dial a lot further. So Hearts and Hibs combo, it would take time, Mm. but uh, I I think they're, you know, conceptually setting aside the fact that this has got no chance of happening, um, that they, that they could potentially be a competitor. If we take a look at Dundee and Dundee United, I I would say not, because even if you combine the two sets of revenues, it only comes to 8 million.
1: Yeah. Even if they've got some sort of,
0: economies of scale on that, they're, they're not really going to be. So, yeah, you know, you know, but you, know, you and I are both old enough to remember uh, Dundee United under Jim McLean and yeah. their incredible achievements. And, and I think yeah. this just goes to show uh, the guy was a bit of a genius.
1: Mm. Uh, what about
0: if these clubs – and this, this is something
1: I have mentioned in Edinburgh before. I won't do it again because it was clearly a mistake – Saying it out loud, um, <laughs> well, I can't tell you how sad I am not to be in Edinburgh for a second year running, but if Harts and Hibbs or Dundee and Dundee United were to share a ground, for example, would that would that financially help in any way shape or form because we're, we're the only country that seems to get really fixated on the idea that you have to have two grounds fifty yards apart you know in 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 Italy, teams will happily share grounds. I know they're different historical cultural reasons, but would that help them financially?
0: There, there would be some um, uh, there would be some financial benefits you've not got two sets of maintenance you've uh, you only need one you, know, you don't need two sets of groundsmen um, you know, repairs and renewals yeah, so so some cost would be reduced uh, you'd be playing there twice a, you know, once once a week instead of once a fortnight so um, yes there would be a small financial benefit. But the, the most significant costs for football clubs are player-related in terms of wages and transfer fees as opposed to uh, costs relating to the, the key infrastructure assets. Mm.
1: We've still got one or two questions left, here. And Our last question, I suspect, will take a couple of minutes. So can we, let's see if we can run through the next two or three yeah, yeah. fairly quickly. And the first one comes from Ronif Nair, who said there was an article recently in The Athletic on Pedro Gonzalez and his transfer from Wolves. It said that when Wolves sold him to Family Cow, they inserted a sell-on clause on his next two transfers. He was then sold to Sporting, at which point they got a cut. And if Sporting's selling, Wolves get a cut of that too. How can that be, considering there's no contract between Wolves and Sporting? Well, that makes – if they got in a cut on two transfers, I think that makes two transfers. But Ronif has a point. How, yeah, there's yeah. no – there's no deal between wolves and Sporting and Lisbon, so
0: how do wolves get money? No, well, wolves would get money from Familical, which which could be oh, a, okay. a huge right. risk for Familical. Yeah, if, if because uh, uh Conval- Con- convales is now being described as the next Bruno Fernandez, and right. he could he is certainly being monitored by the senior clubs in Europe, and this this is not to denigrate Sporting you know, as a as a big club themselves, but you know, Portugal is the the biggest exporter of players in Europe. Oh, okay. So um, th- this will be this will have be been baked into the contract between Wolves and Familiar, Cow, who I presume themselves have got a sell on clause. Uh, in, in respect of this player with sporting, because yeah. if they haven't, they're opening themselves. So, yeah. What happens if he is a fantastic tournament at the World Cup next year and yeah. all of a sudden goes for 80 to 100 million? You know, they, they could be really left on the hook unless they've, they've covered their backsides in terms of the, the sale of the player to sporting. Oh, you've, you've really depressed me mentioning the
1: World Cup. It's bad enough having an Olympics that I can't take any interest in, but I'm, I already know for a fact that the Qatar World Cup is going to pass me by.
0: Well, um, the, the Olympics, I would say, are great. I was watching the cycling this morning and it was it, it made me fall in love with sport. you know, I, I remember the last time we spoke was before the Euro finals and yeah. I think we, we we've both been pretty flat in terms yep. of our love of the game since then uh in terms of you know the obscene behavior of a small group of people uh, it has to be said in terms of the reaction to, to the players yeah, yeah. who didn't take the penalties and and the general general belendry of of people <laughs> who were trying to get into watch the game um but the innocence of sport and has has been rekindled for me just watching some of the olympics even you know those sports you've got no interest in you know i was i how how often do we use the word repercharge Kevin, know, in everyday it's, life.
1: It's true. I know. I during the last Olympics, I found myself in a pub in Edinburgh going mad about dressage, which is yeah. strange. I just feel so my heart breaks for all those athletes yes. who unfortunately couldn't make it last year. There's that poor judo lad this year, just yeah, uh, you know, they their whole lifetime ambition heading towards an Olympics, and there's no one there to, to watch them. It's just it's just heartbreaking. But yeah, yeah. They, they know that better than we do. Drew Garg. Has a question um, about a subject we talk about a lot. <laughs> yes. uh, so I, I think you can probably answer this quite quickly. But it's it's a it takes it to extremes. But he's right though. Drew says we know certain clubs who shall not be named don't submit accounts on time. Could the EFL not bring in a rule that failure to do so would bring an automatic points deduction?
0: Right let's go back to the EFL the EFL ultimately is a members club and the members yeah, set yeah. the rules the only thing preventing this from taking place is an agreement at the next uh, EFL meeting right Some, somebody could propose it if it gets enough votes it will be passed again credit to the EFL where it's due they are now putting through transfer embargoes for those clubs that are late with the accounts mentioning no names but <coughs> derby county um you know, uh, and uh, it, it has resulted in an improvement in, in terms of submission of data. Um, and I'm all in favor of that. Yeah, I,
1: I can't wait to see Palace's accounts next year. Suddenly spending loads of money on the young people, it's just heady, heady times. You say you've fallen out of love with football, it took me three days before we signed someone, and then I was back in love again. <laughs> um, Phil Chater, again, this is an issue we've spoken about before, but Phil Chater. Says, we recently heard that Peterborough's Bobby Copping had to retire from football through injury at just 19 years of age, which is heartbreaking again. How would this be dealt
0: with financially from the club and players' point of view? Right. From the club's point of view, um, if they had paid a fee for the player and it was being amortised, then they would have to write off all of the fee um, following the decision uh, of, of Bobby Copping to Uh, retire early and having read the story it is truly heartbreaking this is Mm. a young man uh, he'd he'd come from Berry Football Club and he suffered a head injury yeah a very severe head injury Um, credit to Peterborough United as an institution they have now given him a job in the academy so he's still in the world of football except he he can't do the thing which he set his heart on as a young man as a career but at least he's still within the sport Um, as far as the individual is concerned um, he might have a personal insurance policy, which would pay out critical injury, as as could the club in terms of the remainder of his contract. Um, and uh, so there could be some form of financial settlement as a result of that. But yeah, w- without knowing personal circumstances, and ultimately they're none of our business, um, mm. yeah, we, we can't go any further than that.
1: Yes, it's no consolation to the young man at present, but there's been several stories recently of, of coaches that had to retire from the game earlier on who are now doing brilliant work. At, at Premier League clubs as coaches and trainers. So hopefully that lies in Bobby Copping's future. Um, our final question, Kieran, is a, a very interesting, I think it's a theoretical one, but I'm not entirely sure. It's from Aidan Grant, who's a friend of the show. And Aidan said, on a recent pod, you said the overwhelming majority of clubs are losing money. Now, given that money in circulation is a constant, et cetera, that must surely mean that someone somewhere is making the same amount of money. I appreciate that clubs lose money, tax VAT, et cetera. But is there a rough estimate of down whose plug hole that money flows each year? Now, the et cetera in money in circulation, etc., is doing a lot of hard work there, Kieran.
0: Yes. <laughs> and I
1: also now intend to... <laughs> See if I can sell a TV show called Down Who's Plug Hole, because um, <laughs> I, I would, I would, definitely watch a show called Down Who's Plug Hole. But it's it's a good question, clearly, because the money, the money's, <laughs> the money's, the money's going somewhere, and and money in circulation is a constant. So if
0: somebody's losing it, somebody's getting it, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. I'm still thinking of this TV. But I've, I've, I've got a scenario in my head and I'll discuss it with you after the show.
1: Well, I see, um, I, I see you as the kind of Susie Dent in Dictionary Corner of Down Who's Plug Hole. <laughs> I'll obviously, I'll be the host. And then every now and again, I'll throw to you and i say, whose plug hole is this?
0: <laughs>
1: and, then, so, and then I'll say, if you could not mention Moscow, that would be great. Yes. <laughs> because I know that's why you started giggling when I said pro
0: hole. <laughs>
1: so childish. Yeah.
0: Um yeah what what Aiden is bringing up is the the idea of what we call in economics a zero sum game. Ultimately there must be so much money in the world and it's circulating around. Um, so it cannot grow or contract to a certain extent. Um so where where are these losses going? Well I took a look at the collective uh, sets of accounts of clubs in the Premier League, with the exception of Newcastle United, who have not submitted any. Um, Let it it go. Let it go. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if if Mike Ashley wants transparency, then perhaps Mike Ashley should be transparent. Fair enough. Um, Yeah, I do. um, And the the biggest deficit, and the Premier League clubs are losing – yeah, we are talking hundreds upon hundreds of millions of pounds, uh, but they collectively had a deficit to other clubs in Europe in terms of transfers of around about £800 million. Pounds. So Crikey. where is the money from the Premier League going in terms of losses? It's going to Portugal. It's going to France. It's going to Italy and Spain and so on. So that's that's one thing. The, the other place where the football industry is losing money too is other parts of the football industry in the form of players, if we take a look at the championship for example for every 100 pounds in 2019-20 that clubs in the championship generated they paid out 123 pounds in wages so you know the, the money has gone to other parts of football be it players or alternatively other clubs within europe so so that's that's the overall uh, calculations of the numbers
1: Hmm. It, it's it's lovely to be back Kieran and it's lovely to be able to say to people if you, if you have questions for our next pod or our next questions pod it's questions at com. if you have questions for Tracy Crouch who will be interviewing on our next pod on Thursday uh, please send those to the same address um, and it's even more lovely Kieran to be able to say after a two week break which felt much longer I shall hand over to Mr Maguire for his customary farewell <laughs>
0: Well, uh, first of all, folks, I—I I, I, on behalf of myself and Kevin, we, we were genuinely touched at the number of people who said that they were missing us. Yep. Um, you know, if only our wives had the same attitude <laughs> towards us, that would be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> they said, oh, you're not still in that room, are you? It's, it's yeah, the attitude just, of the
1: Baroness. You know what? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. My mother-in-law is ill. I just, think, <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just think Ali's gone to Birmingham for as long as she can stay up there
0: if 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 you do like the show, if you could press on the the follow button uh hit that those icons for either spotify or apple um and most importantly if you know we, we've got patreon yeah, for as little as one pound a month you can support the show, but you don't have to you know if, if, if you just say nice things about us, it makes a difference if you uh, if you put those on the uh, on the Apple app uh the apple podcast app because um they make a a genuine impact in terms of where we are in terms of the league tables and and, you know we we are a niche show we're not trying to compete against peter crouch and so on but you know one of the reasons why tracy crouch was prepared to come on the show was that she she did our her homework and she looked at the reviews and uh you know we, we are genuinely grateful for the nice things you say about the show we we do put a bit lot of effort into trying to put it together and, and to to answering your questions and so on um and it allows us to to have a bit more credibility when we're talking to people such as Tracy and also football the people uh, people in the football industry uh when when we're trying to get guests um so apart from that thanks very much and uh we'll see you soon with Tracy Crouch on Thursday and it's a show we're both really excited about and really looking forward to Indeed. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. my son for football.